That's just like PETA. PETA kills more animals every year than they say. So, you know, nobody. That's another commonly misbelieved. Oh, man, we're running them down today, aren't Damn. we? Damn. We are you, you're woke over here on Invader. Oh, yeah, man. Yeah, we don't we don't sleep over here. Yeah, PETA kills more animals every year than anybody. Anybody. You think, man, you think they were, you know, it's like black people and the police. When the police come, they're like, oh, God, the crisis is over. Oh, God, the police are here. Oh, God, PETA's here. That's what the animals say. Oh, God. <laughs> Oh God, Peter's here. Initiating system one. System one loaded. Welcome to season two of Invade. With your host, the social media extraordinaire fame black and a a t two underscore for real. Uh, the second name I had for you um, is Vince. Oh yeah. I'm, Frankly, Vince isn't going to be around for that much longer anyway, so, you know, I, I'm probably going to still watch wrestling no matter how depraved of the things that we've heard I'm him do. But be he, 150, damn it! Yeah, he, he might never die, actually, but there there is, like, the stuff that we've seen on camera. Like, he writes the show, and he's got, like, Trish Stratus walking around, like, like crawling Barking around like the ring. Look, yeah, and, and that's just what we've seen. Now, having said that, wrestling's sort of a wacky enough industry to where I'm sure, like you said, he'll shrug it off and say, like, oh, yeah, well, we were auditioning for some scene, damn it, and I was trying to trying to get her to, to do this and, and, you know, make the scene better. And, you know, she'll play, he'll play the whole thing like, ah, my Vince is not as good as yours. Um, but <laughs> we'll, uh, I love it. What's worse is how far how far does that go? Because, you know, it's it's six, six degrees of separation. So did Triple H know about it? Did Stephanie know about it? Are they going down? Did The Undertaker know about it? Oh, no. The Undertaker couldn't have known about it. I refuse <laughs> to believe. The Undertaker's been more loyal to Vince McMahon, and, and, and more so, Vince McMahon has been more loyal to The Undertaker than anybody. Maybe that's maybe that's how Taker gets the treatment he gets, is that he's, what I'm he, saying. he knows he all knows. the secrets. Yeah, it's, I don't want to believe it, but I'm not going to deny it either. I mean, if it all came out, would you, would you really not believe that Taker didn't know about it? Unless it was happening while he was there once a year, but it was like, yeah, this was in the early nineties. I mean, you know, uh, Fame, you're putting me in a tough spot here because I believe I am. I believe I'm he's an un I believe he's an undead wizard, so I have to believe this, wouldn't I? I mean, come on. Right, he knows. He's an undead wizard. He knows all. I really don't get the wizard part, but nah, I kind of like he's got the magic thing going on. The hat is sort of modern day wizardish. Morticianing. It's morticianing. Because morticians all wear that hat. The fancy ones. I don't know anymore. I know one mortician, but he's a rapper, so that doesn't. That doesn't. Wow, what a what a double life that man lives. That's that's amazing. Oh well, it's it's a family business. Okay. And I mean, hey, so he, I'm not joking. His studio was in the mortuary. Like I actually, oh, this is a good story. I never even realized how good of a story this is. We actually like had to go past a funeral with a dead body and go into his basement where there was another dead body waiting for the next funeral to get to his studio to start recording hip hop music, which you could hear through the floor at the funeral. Wow. That's like, it's, it's a pretty crazy scene there. I can, <laughs> I gotta see something like that one day. Yeah, that was really, I'm thinking about it now. Like that was odd at the time, but I was making jokes. Like, ah, oh, it's that guy. We're gonna wake him up with our music. Yeah, but, like, I'm just man. thinking of all the rap lyrics I've ever heard about stacking bodies and like all that kind of <laughs> <shit>. <laughs> Right, that was oh, that was his thing. Like when he rapped, he would always talk about how he could kill you and get away with it. I would dump you in the shallow grave and lower someone over it. I'm like, ooh, that's I like that. 
That's yeah. that. He stealing, has the ability. Stealing my gimmick. <laughs> right. Well, uh, yeah, well that, that came from Mr. Brooks, I think. Probably. That's how he killed Dane Cook. I guess I gotta that, I guess I gotta take care of Dane I Cook. Gave now. <laughs> there you go. You Watch yeah. out, Dane. Yeah, you gotta take care of Dane Cook. He's not listening to I like. I actually like Dane Cook. He was alright. Oh, wow. Yeah, Dane Cook's sort of a guilty pleasure of mine. <laughs> like, I don't, or, he doesn't age well, I don't think. But for the time, for the age I was and the way I was feeling, Dane Cook was the man for a minute. I didn't tell anybody. I was a closeted exactly. Dane Cook. Exactly. Yep. But I, I had to and I had to be a closeted Tosh fan, Daniel Tosh fan, because the environment around me because he's kind of jerky white racist. I don't know if he's really like that, but his character is I find it really funny, but crowd i was hanging with it i was in closet to tosh yeah i mean i think he's i don't know i think that's definitely the character or the racist stuff i mean look, look, look there's a there's a certain element of comedy that relies on stereotypes like dude we're, we're friends yeah. like and if you showed up five minutes late to a podcast like i'm gonna bust your balls <laughs> about it because we're <laughs> friends and we can do that kind of shit, you know like I, I don't i wouldn't do it to just any random person of color that i meet out there but you know like when you have a rapport with somebody you could get away with stuff some people take it out of context when they hear it as a third party but absolutely you know, it is what it is Oh yeah, no, I wouldn't give a. Sh I mean, think about it. I I gave you on the WWPN. I I gave you the serial killer gimmick, and uh, I just I mean that was just funny for me because it was just like white boy in Jersey killing people, Jason Voorhees, anyone like it works. Yeah. Like I just thought it was funny, and it worked because it doesn't like serial black people aren't serial killers. No, no, I guess not. Yeah, no, I mean, look. If there if there are black serial killers, they don't do it like y'all. No, well, that's that's what I was thinking, and that's even like another one of those things, I guess, that kind of lends to my my political views. Is that yeah, I look, I understand white people kind of have the monopoly on evil that's been done over time. Absolutely. But like, why does my generation of white people have to pay for it? Like, uh, that, that seems a little up. We're like the most tolerant generation of white people ever. Can we? And by the way, tolerance is like a terrible term. I think that's ridiculous. Like, the, I tolerate. I'm a tolerant oh, person. Okay. Yeah, you, you, yeah, I agree. Some, I agree. You for right. real? Like, I'm not tolerant of anybody. I, I'm. I guess I'm equally tolerant to anybody. I guess at the end of the day, but like, yeah, tolerance seems like poor terminology to me. Uh, but yeah, I don't know that that's sort of the thing what every so often Trump says something that sort of starts a conversation That whether he was right about it or not. It's a conversation that we probably needed to have Ah, uh, Okay, I see So like all right, do you do, is the, do you find moments in the right where you're like, Ugh, I don't like that one. Yeah, no, I mean the right look the, the all the, the the two parties in and of themselves I think are kind of a sham. I'm Oh, it's terrible. Yeah, so, I mean, and there's divisions within each of them that, uh, I, you know, I, I have different pros and cons about, I guess, but, no, there are definitely, there are plenty of people on the right that I don't want to have anything to do with, the, you know, obviously, even, not even just the, the Richard Spencers and the white supremacists and the stuff, there's, there's people that are left of those people that I'm like, all ah, right, I don't know that I want to go that far with it, um, but, you know, there, there's just, yeah, there's some terrible people on both sides, and I find myself kind of, distancing myself from the hypocrites on the right a lot of the time we like to take shots at the left for being closed-minded and intolerant while pretending to be tolerant and open-minded and and then i find people on my side of the spectrum that are you know doing the same thing and pointing the finger the oh other way i'm very it's quick so to call ridiculous. those people out oh it's so ridiculous when i when I, once again i have to do that like oh my god this was this is a perfect example there was this girl that i had a crush on and uh she eventually got into the wrestling podcast for a little bit 
and she was like, um, we were on the same network. I don't know if you knew, if you heard the story. I said it a bunch of times. Oh, I, used yeah, to be, yeah. I used to be on a, a wrestling network that was all gay. Um, so uh, when she she was like, yeah, uh, she used to come on there and guest star and have fun and all this stuff. stuff. So we had a report together, and she when she said, is, is there any LGBTQ, uh, you know, race and quality people like you know she just relayed the whole thing out she was like is anybody open-minded and all this that would want to come and, and do some something with me or whatever like that's the project and i was like yeah me duh that's i'm the most of all that thing that you know yeah and she's like and she's like well no you're kind of trash because i heard you say some misogynist and stuff before <laughs> right what like that is the like in that sentence you completely contradicted yourself but also, like who are like where's the who are you to dole out the judgment? And you're supposed and and the post is like the most friendliest post, and you called me trash in the same post. Yeah, that's that's not exactly that's not that's not even remotely tolerant. And you know, there's there's like you opened the show with basically talking about you know I my opinions vary from yours widely on a lot of different issues and as well as any other friends that I may have my I'm even as a Trump supporter and somebody who comes on to shows not only here but on the Awakened Soul and even on the Wrestling World Podcast Network talking about my you know my allegiance I guess for lack of a better term to to the Trump movement here. Um, I'm not exactly a good indication of the movement. Like, I think I'm far more reasonable and logical than even people on my side of the things, uh, because I'm willing to have that conversation. Like, I'm not willing to just be like, nope, you're liberal. I don't, I don't want to care about anything you have to say. I think a lot of people on the left come from a good place. They want free school and free health care, and those things would all be wonderful if I thought they could be executed well through the power of the government. I don't, so that's why I kind of lean the way that I do. Um, ah. But, you know, there's there, I think we all at the end of the day, we all have the same goals. We all want to live longer and be healthier and be more prosperous and safer and more secure and yet more free, which is kind of a conundrum. But, you know, it, it, that's the balance that we live in. I think once once people start recognizing that we just have different paths to get to the same goal, we could start trying to find a path that maybe suits both. Or maybe the great thing about America is that we kind of have this balance where for eight years we do it this way and eight years we do it that way and we just kind of bounce back and forth. And while it seems like we're stagnant, we're still the greatest civilization that's ever existed in the history of the world. So how bad are we doing, really? Like, you're surprised to see the things that I teach my daughter. Like, I've I taught my daughter, you know, a bunch of stuff about transsexual people, gay people. I taught her, like, a whole nine. I had to. But, uh, so I, I was I was at a party. It was a house party. The party hadn't begun yet, so there was a girl there who was not going to stay for the party, and she had her baby. Um, baby had to be between one and two years old. The baby saw an iPad, and she grabbed it, and she started to swipe on it, and after a while, swiping, she kept swiping, and then she started crying, handing the iPad to her mother, right? So okay. the, the, the mom takes it, and she goes, oh, she's looking for the PBS app that's on my iPad home and the guy that's at this party who's setting up goes and you see that's the problem with the kids today and this is the third and the good old days <laughs> and he really laid it on thick and i'm like uh what does your daughter do when she gets the ipad so oh, she grabs the ipad she puts in my security code she swipes over to the pbs cat at pbs kids app opens it, finds her favorite cartoon, and then plays it. I'm like, that is smart as shit. 
for a one and a half year old child to do. Yeah. That is incredible. This daughter, this baby has memorized the code, learned where her app is, recognized the logo, if not reading it, learns that she has to get to and press play. Like that's a lot of, that's a lot of the cognitive function that you learn um, putting toys together, like building blocks or putting, you know, those little things at the doctor's office where you've got the marbles on the little uh, wires. Yeah. Yeah, I know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah, this is a whole nother level of that. Right. This is completely deep. And then I was I was expressing that. He was like, yeah, but the kids, they don't know about encyclopedias. They don't know about cursive. And he's right in this sense, especially in my personal life. They gave my daughter a packet of cursive. And that's it. They didn't even teach it in the school. They gave her a packet and said, hey, here's cursive. But you don't need cursive. In, in my opinion, like I just think this is the most useless thing. First of all, it's not that hard to figure out if you really wanted to learn it. And then secondly, everything is technology. Like, yeah, what are you gonna do? So I just want to, you know, get get your thoughts on these these on on parenting with technology. Be like, because we're the first we're the first generation of parents to be doing. Yeah, pretty much. Uh, I mean, in addition to parenting, I guess this also kind of rounds itself out to education as a whole. And I think this is something that we need to instill upon our kids. I mean, yes, it's great to have the technology. I think we all know that even our kids is, is you know, as good a job as we might be trying to do to keep up with it. They're probably exposed to a little too much of it. Um, I, I think it's I, I think it needs to start obviously at home, but also in the schools where we need to focus these kids. We need to we need to refocus the way that we educate things, because the way that we learn things is not the way they're going to learn things. And to kind of use the same methods, just using different mediums is not really, I think, the best way of going about it. All information out there is at like the touch of your fingertips. Like my daughter came to me the other day was saying, uh, you know, she knows all these times tables. I go, yeah, that's great. You memorize them. But do you know how to actually do the math? And she was like, what do you mean? And I was like, all right, well, five times five. Like, how do you know that's 25? Well, because I just know. All right. Well, do you know why, though? Like we need to we need to get to that point. Um, right. Processing the information is far more important than knowing the information in today's Absolutely. day and age. And, and, you know, the, that kid might be able to know four, you know, four numbers and swipe and press play and all that kind of stuff. But do they have the slightest idea, like, when they're watching that PBS show, like, all of the, the craziness that goes into making it, all of the, the, the lessons that might actually be trying to teach her in that instance? You know, it's a PBS show. I assume it's somewhat educational. Or does she right. just see a bunch of green and purple blobs moving around on a screen and she's just being further and for, further, you know, addicted to this technology that she's learning bad habits with already. I guess I can see a point there, but I think even for the age that she was, even if it was just a bunch of pink and purple blobs, at least she knows like how to get to the pink and purple blobs. Oh no, absolutely. I mean, and she's still malleable at this age. Like you can ultimately shape her. It's way too young to judge that like, you know, because of this, she's just going to end up being like one of these slots that sits in the corner and stares at their cell phone all day. Uh, but I, I think we have, you know, we have a generation of those on our hands right now. I don't see it getting better unless we all kind of focus on it. So I'm not saying that that particular example that you gave is a bad one. I just think it's something that we should be conscious of as parents and as educators, um, you know, whether, whether we're parents or not. You can't put a kid in front of the TV all day and expect them to learn anything. You can't put a kid in front of an iPad all day and expect them to get the information for real. You have to do a mix of the thing. But as a parent, I feel relieved that technology exists in the sense of like when it's snowing outside and we really can't go outside and play, 
I can do my thing. I can watch my movie. And she doesn't. I remember having to watch whatever my parents were watching because yeah. we were all stuck inside. You know what I mean? That's true. Not, not for the snow. That's just actually for hurricane. But uh, the point is we were all stuck inside. And I remember, you know, just not able to. My mom had put on whatever movie she wanted to watch and whatever was boring or whatever. I had a coloring book. That's about as far as it goes. Yeah. Uh, you know, my, my daughter can put on a whole new movie. She has Pandora. She just has the ability to go do her own thing. Um, and she, she's a little older. She's almost 10. But yeah, I feel like mine too. Right. So I feel like, and especially for that age, that's especially the right time for her to have that kind of thing. And yeah, I, I heard her listen to some YouTube videos that I got to go and be like, hey, turn that off. What are you doing? But uh, once again, I'm not just like just putting it in her hand and letting her sit with it so that I don't hear this YouTube video that I got to go turn it off. You know, I'm, I'm listening. I'm sticking around. Like, we'll play on our iPads in the same room again. That yeah, kind of that's good. I mean, that's as good as you can really hope for in today's day and age. I mean, it's not like you could completely deprive them of the technology. They're going to want it. They're going to resent you for not giving it to them. Uh, you know, there's there's any number of, of downfalls to trying. And, and, you know, like all their friends are going to be on it. So at some point in the future when we're even more reliant on tech, like you want her to have that. I don't know, synergy with it the way that we kind of do because we grew up with it too in some respects. But it's going to be, you know, the people who know a lot about this kind of stuff are going to be the people that have a certain level of an advantage, I guess, in a professional, personal, social setting moving forward. So, you, you know, it's not as if you could completely deprive them of it, but there's there's got to be a little give and take. And, you know, the, the way yeah. you're doing it sounds, sounds as good as any I'm coming up with. Well, I mean, you know, I, I try to be reasonable in parenting. Like, it would be ridiculous to think that at 10 years old, my daughter's not watching something that she shouldn't be watching or into something that she shouldn't be into as a child. When I was because 10, I, I was watching Stone Cold Steve Austin stun his boss. Like, you know, like, <laughs> that's what I was watching when I was 10. Right. 10 years, yeah, 10 years old, I was watching wrestling, which had, like, all, you know, that's when, that's when uh, Braun Panties matches were on Raw and... And not only that, though, like anything like Jerry Springer, they would have, oh, the chicks are naked. Like I would be trying to watch that. Like just anything, basically anything with a nipple at 10 years old, I was trying to get to. Um, Fair enough. But, you know, and that's just, but that's just, you know, that's kid curiosity. I wanted to see, I was all about boobs. I wanted to see what they were about. You know, I didn't have any. <laughs> it was, you know, and it was like where I live, women were, you know, it was, it's hotter. So women were dressing more scantily. So it was a lot of bikinis, it was a lot of bras, it was a lot of, you know, just a lot of skin in general. So, you know, at 10, I know that I was getting into that kind of stuff. And at 10, I know that I was watching movies with curse words and laughing about it. And I was just joking with a friend of mine. We went to school together. We used to get off the bus and we used to sing that song. Like, as soon as we got off the bus, off school grounds, we used to go, dun, 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 get the f out, dun, 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 Simon says, get the f out. I don't know if you know that song. Yeah, but of course. It was <laughs> I mean, I, like when it kind of fell off. Like nobody really plays that one anymore. But it was big, and we used like we like the, the second we got off the bus, we were waiting like a, we were all we're off school property entirely. You know, like that kind of dumb shit, the kid. Shit. But <laughs> but I, at ten, I was getting into that stuff, so it'd be crazy for me to think that, she, that she's not. Oh man, uh, I'm trying to think of all the dumb shit I did at that age too. It's so funny, yeah, because it's all coming rushing back to me in like such an. <laughs> 
it's like, like my life is flashing before my eyes, but only the extremely dumb shit I did between the age of like 10 and 13. This is a this is a YouTube comedy reel like waiting to happen. I'm gonna have to reenact all these things. Right, and I, and I think of like all the like times like I went off by myself and just like walked off and explored how I didn't have a cell phone and could have been kidnapped at any point in time. And then I can think about like all the dangerous stunts on my bike and stuff that me and my friends would do. And like how I could easily snap my neck. Like I've gotten to crazy shit. Yep, same thing. And I might, thing. I might talk a little bit past 10, like 11, 12, 13, but still very close by. Oh, and I, re I remember just having to come home and mom be like, how was your day? And I'm like, oh, I was fine. Like she had no idea. She still does that. I better if I told her some of this stuff, she would lose her mind. I'm like when, when did you do that? Like the only reason, the only reason she would have anything to know about it is because it went too far. That's true. Yeah, I mean, like, we, you know, even if you're sitting in a room with your kid who's staring at an iPad all day, at least you know where they are. Like, my, our parents didn't know. They had no idea. At all. It's crazy. I just think about all the times that something something crazy could happen. Now, I, I'll, I'll close on you with the million-dollar question. Ooh. Because you have a daughter, I'm going to make this very uncomfortable for you. Okay. So, you know, you hear dads talking. You know, oh, I'm sure you've heard this. Oh, when she grows up. You're going to need a shotgun. You're going to need to do this. Scare these miners. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? And I, mean, I I think I have an ace in the hole. I don't think my daughter likes boys. That's still right now. Okay. Like I, I, but I, I don't, I personally, and I hope she never hears me say this if I'm wrong. I personally don't think she's going to like boys. Catch my drift. Okay. How do you anticipate handling your daughter's sexuals. I'm gonna buy a shotgun. <laughs> That's me. I'm not physically intimidating. I'm uh, I'm a little too friendly, goofy, and young looking. So like I'm afraid that I'm not gonna be able to be intimidating. So I'm buying a shotgun. Oh yeah, I'm getting like a little rack and I'm just putting it up like on a wall, like right over the TV or something like that. And I'm just gonna invite him in, sit down, have a nice talk with him, make sure it's in view. And that's, you know, that's 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 what you got to do, I guess. I mean, I don't know. We're, we're all going to have our methods, I suppose. And, you know, hopefully, I mean, first and foremost, we got to hope that we raise them regardless of who they end up uh, having, you know, attraction to. They're going to have to make s smart decisions on a personal level, on a social right. level. That, to and, me, that's the best, uh, that's the best defense yeah. against, you know. That is a good it's, foundation, at least. Yeah, you gotta, you gotta at least like at least whoever she chooses to get into it with is like, all right. Yeah, I mean, and, and you and your daughter and me and my daughter seem to have a fairly similar relationship. Like, I'm very friendly with her. I'm very honest with her. I'm very, I try to reason with her, explain to her why I don't want her doing certain things or why she shouldn't Absolutely. be doing certain things. And she, she tends to be responsive. You know, I, I always joke that, like, at nine years old, my daughter's the most reasonable person I know. Because, like, I tell her something, I explain it. She goes, yeah, okay. Mostly because she's just learning it and she doesn't have a counterpoint at this point. But, you right, know. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I, no, I totally agree. It's the same thing. I was trying. It's it just the smallest thing. Like, my, my daughter's mother called while she was with me. And she started talking. And she started talking to, uh, like, say hi to the dog and shit. Mm-hmm. And, and I'm like, hey, wrap that up. Yeah. And, uh, you know, she goes like, oh, like she looks at me like she's kind of offended. She's like, oh, okay. Mom, I gotta go. She hangs up. She's like, what's that about? And I'm like, you don't see, like, you're on my time. Like, you see that dog enough. You don't need to talk to it on the phone when you're with me. That's ridiculous. We're doing stuff. Right. And she was like, oh, yeah, I guess so. Yeah, I'm, I'm sorry. My bad. And I was like, wow. Anybody else would have 
fought me to the death. No, I can talk to my mom. Like, anybody else would have fought me. And she was just like, oh, yeah, that is kind of shitty. All right. It's <laughs> awesome. Yeah. It, it makes you feel like you're doing something right. But when it when it comes to, you know, any any sexual situation or relationships or anything like that, it's like, yeah, you know, I'm by a shotgun. But are you going to shoot a minor? No. Is the, is, if the minor is smart, <laughs> if the minor is, well, yeah, you. But if the minor is smart, what do you think that you're going to shoot him? I got to tell you, as as a, as a daughter, father, I mean, I guess, I, I, guess, I guess we all are, but I just Yeah, no, like, I, everybody's somebody's daughter. All the women are somebody's daughter. Right, as I was saying, I guess we all are. But I, I, what I mean by is that... I would beat a. I met a lot of dads. Like I was never afraid of being a dad. I learned how to be great with parents, but at, not at first. At first, dads didn't like me, but I would still meet them, and they would just say they would always give me the the, the shit. They, you know, I'll catch you doing anything with my thought. I'll put your head off and all this. And that makes me go, all right, I'm gonna put my dick in your Yeah. Like you know what I mean? Like you don't want to really be that guy when you meet the wrong one. Like and and I will tell you. I had a great success rate. Yeah, so. I, I don't doubt it. I'm just, right. yeah, I, I think there's. So it's difficult, you know. It, it is. It really is. Um, yeah, I, I got. I also, you know, uh, we, we similar situations again. Like, uh, you know, uh, she lives with her mother most of the time, or at least my daughter does. Yeah. And yep. Um, you know, I, I also have to rely on her judgment, which I know isn't very good because she picked me at one point. So. <laughs> there's a certain element of that I'm like extra worried about too but uh, I, I think you know if we do a good enough job of uh, of, of making sure that, that our kids are making good decisions and, and know uh, you know what uh, it's going to sound like some sort of like uh, we were talking about the racist xenophobic all that other kind of stuff but there, there's a certain caliber of people you don't associate with regardless of their race gender whatever the case may be uh, Absolutely. yeah so you know you got to try to make sure that she could do a certain job of filtering those people out because you're not going to always be around to be able to do it. Absolutely. Listen, I, I really want to thank you for coming on. Talking oh, about fame. Thank I, you for having me, man. This was a this was a great combo aside from great like you know podcasting material. Well, this these are things that I like want to talk about, but it's like I I live in a world where I had my baby first and like first of my friends by a long shot. And some of my friends still don't have babies. Yep. And then my friend, you know, my friends are having babies. They they're looking at their three-year-olds like, oh, yeah, my daughter is, is so smart. She can do her numbers. I'm like, my daughter is reading Harry Potter books. She's asking me, was Professor was Professor Quirrell a horcrux? All right. My daughter is, is creating theories in her mind about movies and books. And your daughter doing the alphabet doesn't impress me right now. Like, you know, what I, mean? like, I can't I can't get into it. You know, and, and I live in that world where my daughter is the oldest. And I, I don't have anybody to say, hey, what do you do about this? Or what do you think about this? Yeah, it's you know I'm with you too. Like I'm the first of all my friends to have a kid by a by a long shot, and I always you know they, they we're friendly enough to bust my balls. Oh, I bet Bella doesn't you know like I sometimes a little short on money, whatever the case may be. You know can't go out, can't do this. You know or I'm busy watching her. You know all that kind of other stuff. So we bust each other's chops. Like oh look, fellas, like I got an investment on my hands here. I'm ten years into a project that's gonna take about twenty to twenty five for me to pay out. You guys are just gonna be starting that at some point in the near future. Right. I'm already. Oh, yeah. I'm already through most of the thick of it. I just college, and that's about it, man. Like we're, we're good. <laughs> oh, yeah, I mean, it's that, it's that puberty, that puberty speed bump. Oh uh, yeah, Thank that's God. true too. Those are all gonna come, I guess. But yeah, the, 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 I guess as far as uh, starting young, 
the college I, thing is rough because you don't have a very good financial base if you have a kid at 20 and try to now have to save in 20 years for their college education or any kind of aid towards it or whatever the case may be like you're you're at a disadvantage in that respect but as far as the time in you know like we're, we're half we're halfway to our kids being in college and they're just going to be starting that journey I mean, and, and I just, I think about it like this. Like now that it's been done this way, I can't think about doing it any other way. Like I've been young enough to keep up with my daughter yeah. and technology that she has, I have. And like, she can't outsmart me with her technology. Cause I remember when stuff would come out, I would hide like cell phones and stuff. When, when you were first able to send naked pictures to each other, I knew, <laughs> like, I knew how to do that way. But, like, my mom came to me like eight years later and was like, do you know that your phone can send a picture? You know, I kept that shit from her. You know, I kept her in the dark. So it's not something that my daughter currently can do to me. I run in the same league she runs in. Like, it's, I, I'm up to date with the shows that she watches. No. Yeah. It's- even even to judge it as a kid's show, like this kid's show is trash. This kid's show is really funny or clever or witty or whatever. I, I just feel like I had the advantage because we can connect better being that close. And I love the idea. I always say it. She's be 20, I'd be 38. Yeah. It's like, yeah, you're going to be able to, like, go out and rage with her on her 21st birthday. Like, you know, like, my parents couldn't have done that. They certainly wouldn't have been able to keep up in any kind of fashion. <laughs> but, yeah, like, if you want, you could be you could be cool dad who takes her and her friends out and covers the tab or whatever the case may be. And, you know, have a few and enjoy, you know, be able to kind of... In, it, it be be peers while still being her father in some respect that once she gets a certain absolutely. point absolutely and i even said like i would let, like high school's coming up not too long from now all right grade school is almost over so i said i i have maybe four and a half five years to become hot dad so that when she has friends over, <laughs> listen this is an invest. This is not. Listen, this, this is going to get dangerously close for a second, and then it's going to it's going to manifest. Trust me. Just, trust me. And I'll leave you with it. Uh-huh. I, I, you know, four and a half years down the line, five and a half. They're 15, 15 and a half. All right. I get all muscly. I get my tattoo sleeve done. You know, I got my bald head going. I let, that's a that's a big win. A lot of people like the bald head and the beard too, man. You got you got the you got right. double whammy. Bald head with beard. It's it's, it's working out. And then I then you know that's when girls start to feel a little ants in their pants. So her friends come over, they see me, they don't say anything. We don't. There's obviously nothing done. They just think it. Just like we all had that thought about someone's teacher or someone's parent or someone's aunt or whatever. And then when we, when my daughter goes off to college, you know they come back and they all reunite. And oh, she's 19, 20 now. And it's, oh, you know, Mr. Black, I. Used to have a crush on you when we would do homework in your daughter's room. Did you now? How old are you again? Nineteen. Great. <laughs> here, sign this. Get in here. <laughs> um, by that point, you'll have to. Uh, yeah. But I'm like, um, due to the Weinstein Amendment, uh, I need you to sign this. <laughs> Hello. Tell uh, tell the people where they can find you. And once again, I want to just thank you for coming on and, and, and having this dynamite conversation with me that I never get to have. Yeah, man, this so, was this was pretty lit, man. Have me back, please, because I'd love to I'm, do this. I again. have to have you back now. Like this is like I'm I'm afraid someone's gonna say, yeah, this is way better. Do a black and fellow podcast, and I have to have this rough conversation with ATT. 
<laughs> yeah, well, sorry, AT2. I got, I got big shoes to fill here, so I hope I did my best to fill them. But I am, as, as Fame mentioned, I'm the Andrew Bellow. You could find me on Twitter, at the Andrew Bellow, if you want to talk politics. And you could find me at WWPN Bellow, if you want to talk about wrestling, Marvel movies, uh, the Mets. It's, it's like really my only other big field of expertise i guess but uh find me on the wrestling world podcast network we're on the wwpn.com and i'm on the next level wrestling podcast kind of doing my own thing covering nxt which is a wwe like developmental brand for those of you uninitiated and covering raw on a weekly basis with ceo hayes and the voice of america adam driveless so thanks again fame this was this was wonderful i can't wait to come back it's very concise can you do the jingle for me and then that's that's really it Oh, the the you could find me at uh, T H to the E A N to the D R E W B E double L O. Thank you for listening. If you want to talk to the hosts of the show, follow Fame Black at Fame Black on Twitter, Instagram, and Snapchat. You can follow AT2 on Twitter and Instagram at the real AT2 and on Snapchat at AT2 underscore number four real. <laughs>